Hello world, this is Better Tech, a podcast where we chat with some of the most successful leaders about the latest industry developments. So join us as we explore the world reliant on tech. So the topic that we have for today is five ways how AI and machine learning affect education and the future of diversity. So let's talk about how AI ML has changed the education sector in recent years. Okay, uh, so basically uh, I put uh, several things and on one hand, I would love to reflect what I see in terms of trends and my personal perspective as an educator in person who involved in making AI works in different places. So uh, the first thing I would love to mention is a um, transition uh, from students to creators. I mentioned it even before adaptive learning, predictive stuff, less biased stuff, because uh, it's the first time in the whole history their classroom actually involved in, in interactive process of creation. I mean, using of robotics, using of uh, builders' um, boxes and different stuff educators use today in order to involve students in actual process, not just learning to code, not just making some stuff, but actually get some result. And um, in most cases, it involves using of AI, specifically when we use, for instance, robotics for uh, people with neurodiverse issues. Uh, the second thing um, is adaptive learning. And it's really related to my personal story uh, as well, because in my past, I had a neurodiverse, and, and I still have a neurodiverse condition, and I experienced significant issues in order to learn, specifically how to remember things through listening. It was hard for me. Adaptive right. learning uh, actually helps students to uh, pick classes, a way to learn, teachers in more personalized way and a significant thing. Uh, first thing is a predictive career paths. In the past, uh, we have a school, we had a school and have some, who uh, have a universities and jobs. And actually there was no connection. And many people who are graduated from universities, we go to nowhere. It was a problem. Currently, AI help us to use more personalized approach through adaptive learning to actually prediction of your career path and chemistry, physics, business, entrepreneurship, uh, engineering, and it helped you to find your way much earlier. Uh, specifically, even if you're just a student, you already have some vision, what you are ready to do, your skills, your talent. Um, other thing is a less bias in grading and how teachers evaluate students. Uh, in the past, uh, before AI, we have a significant issues in terms of a subjective evaluation of some students, specifically then relationship between a particular a teacher and particular students were not really good. And it led some problems with grading and some students with not really good behavior. We had a uh, worse 
grades just because we had no good relationship with teachers. Now it, we have a less bias in grading. It's really up to results, to your accomplishments through classes, through exams, and most of in most of cases, it's provided through online or flipping classroom model. Um, another thing. Uh, is a better logistic between teachers and students with what I call collaborative learning or uh, teachers on demand. AI help us to make, um, in most cases, uh, students have some preferences in terms of the teachers we would love to uh, work with because we have uh, some preferences in terms of the classes, studies, yeah. or personal uh, um, personal favorites. So uh, AI help you to pick and create a, your own classroom. For instance, I would love to work with a particular professors or uh, teachers and as a kind of my favorites and I work with them. And it's create more personalized uh, logistic. At the same time, it help you to uh, uh, schedule your classes uh, in advance uh, without any paperwork, completely for online format. It's a very convenient, very quick way. And it's really uh, make classes not only more personalized and better for students, it make it more efficient in terms of economy, in terms of expense of some paperwork, because in, uh, based on statistics, significant time uh, teachers spend not on, only on teaching, but paperwork on, on bureaucracy. The last thing um, I would love to mention uh, was what I call global classes. Um, I, I would say that what's what we would love to bring to the reality in the next years. Currently, um, it's still far from uh, actually... Uh, uh, implementation, but uh, with what we are able to bring to reality in the next years. And it's about to using what's what I call like-minded ecosystems. Uh, it's when we are able to create online experiences between with whole countries, uh, cities, in order to uh, create a collaborative experiences for like-minded students. Moreover, data science and machine learning help us to define relevant students uh, to uh, pick them together. For instance, in 2012, I work on algorithms would help to define like-minded people across the whole globe based on particular channels or the whole social media. And we can do the same stuff for your educational scores, for your educational behavior, in order to create global like-minded classes uh, between uh, ecosystems, between universities, institutions. So it is a kind of the main things uh, I see today in terms of how machine learning affects education. Yeah, so you mentioned that AI helps to introduce personalized learning in the classrooms. So how does it link to making global classrooms available? Yes. Uh, in order to make a classes efficient, we need not just connect some classes around the world, some people around the world. We need to gather information uh, about particular students in order to pair them in uh, based on particular scores, uh, talents, interest, 
and in which way, for instance, we can create a global chemistry classes or a global girls chemistry classes or uh, and you will be able to apply to particular class in order to be involved not just in learning process but in particular experiences because it's a kind of a club model because sometimes people would love to be involved in something uh, funny than just learning uh, with uh, like-minded people uh, from uh, other countries with uh, different experiences in order to bring to the table. And basically machine learning help us to gather information about people, screen it uh, and create collaborative uh, chains in order to actually bring it to the kind of a global class through online platforms. Right, right. So is, do you think like diversity, neurodiversity is the biggest challenge when it comes to exploring the geniuses? It's a very good question. Um, and I would, st I would start uh, with my uh, uh, personal story and, and quick overview. Sure. Um, I had a, and I still have a multiple sclerosis and I have an autism spectrum and neurodiverse spectrum. And it led to the issue to learning for listening, memory, and uh, emotional um, uh, parts of a learning process, specifically uh, communication, communication with teachers, communication with other students. And 30, 14 years old, I felt myself completely dumb. <laughs> and I, I, I thought I had no any perspective. But after that, I started to experiment. There's a writing, journalism, and learning of on my own. And I explored that I need to put uh, information in particular data sets, particular logic would help me to uh, um, remind it uh, better. And for instance, I learned what I need to repeat some information five or six times and it works for me. And I need to particular pace and it worked for me. And in which way, um, I learned uh, curriculum of Harvard, Stanford, MIT, and different kind of uh, open universities, and it helped me to become an uh, entrepreneur and sold my first company in 18 years old. Uh, before, I was com completely out of life. I was a loser. And was how it worked for me. And I believe and there are many people. company at 18 years old. 18 years old, yes. And wow. up to, to this uh, age, I was an app for over 100 articles, technical articles. I work with organizations around the world. I used, uh, uh, for instance, I explored that um, leave communication is hard for me, but my letters, uh, my uh, using of the content work well for me. And I use it actively across my personal life, professional life, and at the same time, my passion to monotonous work, for instance, I, can, uh, I could study tons of information uh, over the day. It's really make me incredibly efficient in this way because I could just spend uh, 20 hours in a row just gathering some information, reaching some companies because I love monotonous work. I, need, I don't need communication. And in which way, for instance, we have a companies like um, uh, Divergent that help people with autism to connect 
uh, occupation in data science. And based on statistics, we're able to perform equally and sometimes even more efficient way uh, than healthy ones, at least in this particular uh, type of occupation and process, because people with autism have a, a specific talent in attitude to um, numbers, statistic, uh, data accumulation, analysis. Right. And in which way, through personalized platforms, workflow, recruiting process, we're actually able to pick some talent. At the same time, based on today's statistic, over 85% of people with the autism spectrum unemployed. We have no any job or they have a, uh, some kind of a part, uh, part-time job. So That's is a it- startling statistic. Uh, yes, I checked it uh, several times and it's, uh, it's huge. It's yeah. based on bo- both UK, US, so it's a pretty similar uh, for Europe and the United States. And basically, what's why we see so huge growth of um, um, niche workflow platforms. For instance, there is another company called Ultranauts. It's focused on the uh, occupation for people with autism in engineering. Um, and once again, it's a huge opportunity. And it's not only for people with a neurodiversity, it's about people with a visual impairment, speech impairment, hearing impairment, because we have a companies would have a personalized hearing uh, equipment and devices would help people to uh, hear better. We have a stuff for people with uh, speech and visual impairment. So we're able to actually provide them with the socialization and adaptation and actually compete with society. So I believe, yes, uh, it's a huge opportunity in terms of finding talent because it's incredibly hardworking people. Most of them a bit depressed, sometimes not a bit, but they're actually looking for opportunity. We're ready to work hard. We're ready to uh, adapt it to this world. We just need some kind of more personalized tools platforms, learning, healthcare, what's all. So it's really about ecosystem and appropriate environment. And I believe we could uh, find many, many talent uh, across these people. Yeah, absolutely. I believe it's an area with immense potential to explore and definitely more companies should be doing that. So also, if you were to sum it up in like a few short, concise sentences, why do you think diversity is vital to AI success? Yes, um, it's a good question. Um, And I would love to mention several things. Um, I would start with um, my point of view as a social scientist because my first education related to uh, social science. And after that, I'm jumped to my uh, technology work and exploration um, nowadays. Uh, Firstly, uh, while we think that we have made a significant jump in social mobility in latest decade, based on statistic, actually it's not. So we still have a huge gap between talent and opportunity. So actually, when we have an AI that's able to provide equal access and evaluation of talent 
on every level of the uh, classroom, um, universities, workplaces, mm -hmm. we're able to build what's called economy of accomplishment. So right. your success, you succeed not because you're a black or white, you have a, a more or less resources, but because you have a particular uh, working attitude, passion, and talent. And AI help us to make uh, it more or less uh, create diverse ecosystem, and it's provide us with a better perspective and result in terms of a social mobility. Um, second thing, uh, which what we already mentioned, it's related to uh, narrow diversity and minorities in people who are completely un, uh, unpresented in today uh, professional workflow and learning. So uh, we need AI with able to be uh, to be personalized for different kinds of people so that's why we build for instance speech recognition with people with some uh, particular issues with the speech we we built uh different kinds of ai stack depending on talent uh, cases institutions uh, communities in order to involve um every uh part of the talent across the different uh, ecosystem uh, this uh, next thing is a facial recognition bias. Um, I'm not a, it's not kind of my main expertise, but I talked a lot with the expert who uh, related to this um, uh, question. And based on statistic, we still have a 20% errors uh, for uh, women. So in most cases, AI, and is not able to recognize a woman's face and it make mistake and recognize it as a man. And we have a 30% uh, error and mistakes of AI for uh, women and men of color. So um, yeah. it's still a pretty open question. And um, I believe it's a question not only in terms of technology, but also open uh, question about uh, genders we have in society, we still have no um, consent about what we consider men, women, non-binary. We still are uh, growing in terms of our understanding of the whole pattern of uh, people, genders, uh, sexual and human rights. So technology, Absolutely. it's really about criteria we use in, in order to define the whole range of individuals. And the last thing is uh, related to the uh, previous point is the criteria issues. In order to uh, build AI that provide us with social mobility, with uh, equal participation of different kinds of uh, social groups, with the lack of, uh, of the absence of the facial recognition bias, we need a very clear uh, criteria regarding everything. What is a talent? What is a successful student? Uh, how we define uh, what a, a, a exam were uh, successfully passed? What is a talented student? We still have enough uh, uh, questions to answer because in the past, for instance, we define talent through IQ test. But nowadays, we also evaluate emotional intelligence, communication yeah. ability, and we need 
define which criteria we actually need for every individual. And um, I had a discussion about one week ago, and um, we thought that we need much more collaboration of social scientists and data scientists, because we actually see the situation when people from technology world just make products and social scientists and what, what I call fuzzies, more involved in different world. And we need more collaboration because social scientists should bring more clarity about genders, talent, uh, skills, what is a diversity, what is a uh, correct inclusion? Because uh, technology, it's a very concrete thing. We have a technology guy and I have a text for them and I need to clarify which particular criteria we have because uh, otherwise it will never work correct. Yeah, exactly. There needs to be more collaboration and the two fields can greatly help each other. Yes. Yeah, so you talked about AI bias. So what are its implications exactly for cybersecurity's diversity problem then? Uh, as I said before, it's not kind of uh, my main expertise, but uh, basically uh, it's happened that we still have no uh, particular uh, clarity regarding uh, men, women face, uh, the whole diversity uh, of um, uh, face, uh, faces of different kinds of uh, individuals. Uh, current uh, research is mostly based on uh, uh, studies regarding Amazon. And I believe they really lack enough of testing on different kinds of individuals. And that's why, for instance, we actually promote diversity. In order to make a product that work for diverse individuals, we need uh, diverse beta testers, diverse uh, pattern of people who involved in actually building of products. For instance, uh, products for uh, Amazon and facial recognition. So yes, it was problem exists in some people actually suffered for this, including uh, where, when they were not uh, correctly uh, recognized and uh, they even had some problems with police, yes. But again, it's not kind of my main expertise and I just oh, can't yeah. talk about uh, the diversity problem here. Yeah, so coming to the ethical side of things, what are some of the data ethic concerns and ideas behind it? Yes, um, basically, I would uh, mention five main concerns uh, and problems we have today, but hopefully we actually solve it very quickly, both uh, on the level of companies and technologies, and uh, hopefully on the level of uh, cities, governors, and basically in Europe and the US, um, governors are aware perfectly about this problem. So the first thing is a data ownership. Um, maybe you know and remember the scandal with uh, Cambridge Analytica and the, yeah, yeah. And the situation with Facebook. This problem exists and it's real. Um, in most cases, companies, organization, institutions possess your information. And it's not even about uh, technology companies. Uh, since the first days uh, then uh, universities exist, um, um, 
hospital exists where always collect your records and your data and they keep it, your medical information. So one of the key things we do today is decentralization, is the creation of the open source uh, platforms would help to decentralize uh, your information since the beginning. So when, we ju when you became a patient or you became a student, no matter what kind of information with organization pick from you, it's still your data. And it's collected in open source platforms. So uh, this organization is not the agent or intermediary in this process. They just collect it and uh, upload to this open source platform and you completely own this information. And it's a crucial thing. Second thing is a data privacy uh, insecurity. I believe it, it's a huge problem. While many blockchain companies and open source organizations state that we're completely secure, uh, that uh, there is no any problem, I believe we face many issues here because uh, while we build many platforms to solve data ownership platform, we still have a uh, pretty different algorithms and different um, uh, approaches to building these platforms. We have a whole competition on blockchain market, for instance, and, and we have no idea what kind of uh, challenges and problems a particular company or platform have. So it's still a kind of open questions. We need more information uh, how it actually works and what kind of a security methods we use. Uh, so I believe at some point we will need to come up with more unification for any kind of an open source platform we have. Because currently they are very optimistic <laughs> about this, uh, but I don't believe in it. Uh, right. As a person who in, was involved in this area uh, many years, I believe we, uh, we need many, many efforts in terms of unification standards, both in the, in the European Union and the United States. Uh, the next thing is a developer ethic. Um, uh, for instance, you can found that there is a course at MIT that, um, that dedicated to developer ethic, with how engineers, AI developers, and people who involved in uh, building machine learning or working with data actually um, uh, actually what kind of attitude they have to his work because we have a particular rule any engineer he's not the owner he's not even intermediary he's just a coder so this guy just make a work so it's a kind of a uh, ethic we have a every level uh, no matter we work with the subcontractors or our own developers it's completely reflected on every level of the tasks sprints and development process and every developer even if it's intern and some young person should be aware of that you have no any right on this data and this information and with ethic, we uh, try to promote across every ecosystem, every level, even in the hackathon level than just when young people or students build robotics or uh, some stuff uh, for fun. Um, the next thing um, 
I mentioned before, and we discussed it, is a criteria of the system. Uh, so I said, as I said before, we still have an open question about which criteria we put for uh, different kinds of talent, of skills, because it's not so hard to record your data, but it's actually open question uh, which criteria we pick for a high communication level, high IQ and mathematics skills. So it's still up to people. It's, it's not up to machine. It's up to people to define what's a successful students. And the last thing uh, is a regulation and citizen education. Specifically, when we're talking about uh, not adults, but when we are talking about students, in most cases at school level, when we are building uh, flipping classroom, open classroom. Um, in most cases, uh, parents are responsible for kids and parents should be aware about which information they provide about this, uh, their kid. And they should be aware about uh, low rights uh, and data ethic as well. So it's about equal uh, understanding of rules in terms of both developers, but also in terms of the citizens, because I believe in the future we'll see many um, open documents you will need to sign in your social network at schools that you provide this data and you can restrict, for instance, uh, some data about you if you want. And I believe it's specifically uh, true for Europe. Europe has a uh, very tough uh, data privacy law, and they promote idea or more selective data gathering than you have a right to uh, keep some information um, not open for a collection. So okay. it's really about education of citizens. So you have a choice. You can um, give all information and, and or save some particular data if you want. And it's about education of kids as well. Right. Yeah, so thanks, Yana. That kind of wraps up our session for today. Thank you so much for your insights. Sure. Thank you so much. It was a really good and have a beautiful day. Thanks for listening to WeatherTech. We look forward to bringing you the latest industry news in our next episode. In the meantime, Check out our other episodes at techcell.com slash podcast and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss an episode.